Blog Talk Radio. We have a uh, we have a dedication that we're going to dedicate the show to a young man who's uh, a natural athlete who is uh, everything he does uh, he does to perfection because he works very hard at doing it. 
Uh, he's 17 years old. Uh, he is uh, an excellent uh, soccer player, a terrific uh, Mike on the football team. And now he today he made the golf team at Palmetto High. So tonight's uh, show is dedicated to Brady Quinn Carroll. Uh, All right. And, uh, we just uh, grandson of Frank Carroll. Just, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Congratulations, Frank. We certainly will dedicate the show to him. And uh, Roy, before I come to you, I just want to let you know that Dick Vermeil is going to call us around uh, eight o'clock. And so, if it sounds like I'm cutting you off early or something, don't think it's because I'm upset about anything. It's just that Dick only has so much time, and he's going to let us know when he's ready. So I just want to let you know about that. Hey, Don, maybe, maybe Roy would like to stay on and, and listen to Dick and ask well, him a question or two. Well, he also can do that if he'd like to. But I just want to make him aware that if I, you know, I cut out early, that that's what we're doing. Uh, okay, Roy, before we get to the show tonight, I want to take just a moment. One of the gentlemen that uh, I have the highest regard for and have for so many years passed away on Monday, and that's Pete Carroll, the former coach of the Princeton Tigers for so many years. In my view, one of the great basketball coaches of all time at high school, college, and even into the pros. And I just want to take a moment to mention that Pete Carrill was one of the super, super, super people in the world of sports. So just a quick note to his family and everybody in Princeton University that's uh, been associated with Pete for so many years. The very best of uh, from all of us here around the country to Pete Carrill, the former coach at Princeton University. I now let's that. get to the football action first of all, and uh, we can, uh, I guess we'll start off with what the Bucks are doing and, and what's happening there because they've had a few injuries. They've had an exhibition game. And, uh, Roy, we'll let you pick it up from there. Yeah, well, uh, the Bucks are in uh, Tennessee right now. They're in Nashville uh, having some uh, inter-squad scrimmages uh, with the uh, – uh, with the uh, with Nashville and or with the T- Tennessee Titans rather, and um, you know they're hoping uh, again. This has kind of become the norm, I think, for uh, training camp now in the NFL, especially with you know the with the rules the way they are in terms of what you can do in terms of practice and things like that. I think more and more teams are trying to uh, schedule these inter squad scrimmages against other teams. It's you know it's a little bit more controlled. Uh, the top players usually get their um, get their work in that way. Uh, they don't see the game action, but they don't necessarily need to. And uh, with the Bucks, you know, it's um, it's been interesting. You know, Tom Brady's not around, and really, uh, you know, it's almost like the Bucks are in kind of a, a wait and see mode. It's like they're they're kind of trying to figure out, okay, where where are we headed here? Where are we going with this? And um, you know, Roy, that was my next thinks, question. I don't. I I read no. a lot about that he's been granted and was granted before training camp started to be absent for these what ten days or almost two weeks. What what's the reason for it? Well, that's a bit of a mystery. Um, you know, the Bucks are saying that it's personal reasons that it was something that was uh, discussed with the team and uh, agreed to, um, and that's fine. Um, you know, obviously you hope that it's not a serious medical issue with anyone in the family. Um, you know, it, it's possible it could be that. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of speculation out there as to what it is. Um, you know, obviously Tom Brady announced his retirement uh, last year. Uh, you know, or I'm sorry, this year uh, before the season, uh, you know, before training camp, long before training camp, before the draft and everything else. And, um, 
you know, at the time he said, you know, he really was having a hard time, you know, providing, you know, giving the commitment necessary to, to play at the level that he wants to play at or or should play at or that he's expected to play at. And, you know, right then and there, you kind of say, hey, you know what, you get it. 40-plus years old, uh, 45 years old. His wife's kind of been after him to, uh, you know, to give this up for a while now. Uh, maybe they finally came to an agreement and decided, okay, we've had enough. We want another Super Bowl in Tampa. Uh, we proved we were better than Belichick, and uh, let's move on to the next uh, phase of our life. But, um, you know, Tom went out and decided to play again. We also know that, uh, you know, he, he had interest in going to Miami uh, as a player and uh, part of the executive uh, branch there, the ownership possibly, and uh, and that didn't happen. So, you know, you could say that it's coincidence that uh, that Miami happens to be in the beginning of this uh, two-week uh, layoff for, for Tom Brady, but that doesn't seem, you know, that, that seems pretty convenient. Uh, so that could be part of it, just to avoid, uh, you know, the the uh, irony there and and uh, the awkwardness of that situation. That that's one way of avoiding it. Um, but this is not. Let's, let's face it. This is not Tom Brady. You know, this is a guy who who kind of prides himself on being at every practice, uh, getting putting the work in, urges his urges his teammates to do the same. I mean, this is a guy who during COVID, at the height of COVID was rallying players together at a uh, high school here, private high school in uh, in Tampa, and, and running practices uh, to develop a chemistry with his players. You know, it's not a whole lot different now. He's got a whole he's got a whole new offensive line in front of him, uh, a bunch of uh, uh, new receivers that he's trying to get used to, including Julio Jones. Um, you know, new running backs uh, behind him. Uh, so you know, it's it's very odd that he would take this time to do this. Again, you hope it's not something to do with the family, a serious uh, health issue of some kind, but th- there's speculation out there that, you know, maybe Tom Brady's had enough and he's taken some time to think this out. Um, you know, we'll see. Uh, I-, I think he'll be back. Um, but but still, it-, it just leads me to believe that this is probably the end for Tom Brady in Tampa. Whether it's the end for him as a football player, I don't know. But uh, probably, maybe not. But uh, it's very strange that uh, you're going to go two weeks in training camp uh, without your top quarterback. That's that's not the NFL. Never has been. Uh, can't imagine it ever will be. I don't I don't see too many guys getting leaves of ab- absence for two plus weeks, especially quarterback uh, at this time of year. So it, it's very odd. Uh, it, it may be you know completely warranted, but uh, right now it seems a little bit odd. Roger, you can either pick up on that, or you can yeah, talk about the Atlanta yeah, Braves or a big series with the I, Mets, or no, you can talk about well, the Falcons, whatever you want. No, well, we'll talk about that, but I just wanted to follow up with Roy uh, on uh, Brady. Uh, you know, I, we all hope that it's not a health issue, okay, with the family or, you know, anybody in, uh, related to him. I but, think they would have said uh, that if it was. Well, well, you know, they, people keep things private, you know, but – uh, Charlie uh, uh, Charlie Weiss was saying that he says Tommy uh, he can uh, he can afford to lose the two weeks he'll pick it up but you know getting back to what you said Roy and I've thought about this a lot I wonder if he came in and figured you know what I'm going to give this a shot to see whether I really have the desire to continue on and he would know after a couple of weeks. And and maybe this is it. Maybe he won't be back. And, uh, you know, uh, Giselle may be on his case. 
and he he also could be talking to uh, Fox because he's got that big contract, you know, since Miami didn't work out. But um, uh, talking about the foul, well, the Braves are down two nothing to Scherzer, uh, and uh, they had back to back home runs by uh, Marte and uh, uh, Lindor uh, in the first inning for the Mets, and they've had trouble. Uh, they, there's another one, number three. Uh, so the Braves yeah, are the uh, Mets are up three nothing. Brett Beatty uh, just in his first major league at bat hit a home run, guys. So yeah, uh, I saw yeah. it, I saw it going out as Roger was talking. I saw it. Go, I saw it going over the fence. Prospect uh, for, for the for the Mets coming up, and uh, boy, oh boy, a two run homer for him—that's pretty special. Sorry to interrupt there, Roger, but <laughs> no, no, that's, that's a, we're moment. all watching the same game, you know. <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, but, you know, I'll tell you, Roy, I was looking at uh, the uh, Falcons' schedule, and they open up against the Saints uh, here, and then they go to the Rams, and then at the Seahawks, so they'll stay on the West Coast, I'm sure, then the Browns, and at the Bucks, and then the uh, 49ers at home, and then the Bengals. They have a tough early part of the season, first uh, quarter, or better than a quarter. And uh, I think what's interesting is, you know, the way the, the league sets up these games uh, in the, within the division at the end of the year, they, the, the Bucks are playing at Mercedes-Benz Stadium the last game of the year. So the league must feel the Falcons are going to be uh, in uh, contention some way to have that matchup. Would you agree with that for the yeah. division? Yeah, well, you know, it's in the division, and uh, I think you could actually flip a coin and decide, okay, who in that division is going to be a, a contender and give the Bucks a, a game at that point. Uh, I think everybody believes the Bucks will be the, the cream of the crop there. But, um, you know, normally you would say the Saints, but Breeze is gone. We'll see, have to see how Jameis Winston does. Uh, but that may be part of it. Certainly they want to give him a division game that, uh, you know, they think is, uh, is, is going to have some meaning to it. Um, but, boy, I don't know. I, I personally, I think it's a bit of a stretch right now to say that, you know, come week 17, the Falcons are going to be in the hunt. Um, what oh, what I do agree. you think, Roger? Yeah. No, yeah, I, I agree. I, I just think it's ironic that that's the matchup uh, for the last game of the year. You know, they had the Eagles-Giants a couple of years ago. and uh, But, the, you know, I think last year it was the Cowboys, uh, you know, uh, for the Eagles. And, the, of course, the Eagles had already uh, clinched the playoff spot. So, only time will tell, but uh, they were, t- of course, tomorrow uh, the Grand pitches for uh, the Mets uh, against the uh, Braves, and I think the Braves are uh, good, but I don't know whether they uh, they can ever overtake the Mets. Well, the only break they get tomorrow is that uh, you know the Grand's only pitched six innings in the game. You now he's done exceptionally well. He struck out twelve. He struck out eleven. Uh, he's been almost unhittable. Uh, but he doesn't go too deep yet. And I would say that maybe six, seven innings is probably where he's going to wind up tomorrow night, Roger. But uh, the Mets need this game. They dropped the first two games of the series and did not play well. But as you said, they're off to a great start. And Batty's family is just <laughs> just in ecstatics on the, in the stands. It's great to see his mom and dad and the people all around him. I guess it's part of the family. But the, the step up in a series like this in Atlanta hit a home run. That's quite something for the family. They got to be just tickled, Pink. Roger. Hey, Roy. We like Charlie Morton. He had a great game last night against the Mets. Against the Mets with 12 strikeouts. 
It's hard not to like Charlie Morton, guys. I mean, boy, oh, boy, talk about a bulldog of a pitcher. I mean, he just goes out there and, you know, he gives you a good six, seven innings almost every time out, strikes out 10 or 12 almost every time out. Uh, he, he just, I mean, he just battles you. And he is, he's a heck of a pitcher. You know, when the Rays had him, there was a lot of uh, consternation around Tampa Bay when they let him get away. You know, that's the kind of guy you build a, a rotation around. You know, he's a, he's, he's not, considered you know an ace type pitcher but boy he is he is right there at a number two and uh he's, he's solid and and i'm with you uh, i think he's a fun pitcher to watch he's a very effective pitcher anybody who's got charlie morton um you know it seems like wherever he goes he's with a contender these days and uh i think he's got something to do with that well if you were an analyst guy you would have been really surprised last night because uh, they went over time and time again he completely changed his pattern I mean, he used to fastball more than he ever did before, especially early in the first three innings. He struck more people out with the fastball in those 12 strikeouts and just completely changed the way he was pitching over the last, you know, few months. So was, I think Roger was a little bit surprised to everybody. And he certainly pitched very well. Well, I think well, one of the things about did. that we look... Go, Go ahead, ahead, Roger. No, no, it's, it's okay. I, You know how I feel. I think he's terrific, and... Boy, he, he the cream rises to the top, and he does a great job when it gets to postseason. Yeah, he does. And, you know, we learned here in Tampa that, you know, he really studies it. I mean, he doesn't just go out there and lean on stuff. You know, some guys can get away with that. I think Charlie Morton has the stuff to, to, to be a, a top-level pitcher, and, and, and he uses it. Uh, tremendous curveball, obviously, but I think he also realizes that, you know, pitchers are going to are gonna study him. They're going to they're gonna go up there ready for him, and, He's going to have to bring something different if he's going to fool these guys, and he does. Um, I think he's just one of the, the smarter pitchers in the game, as well as one of the more effective in terms of stuff. I, you know, he's just a. I think he's, he's an all-around pitcher. He's just he, he knows how to pitch. He doesn't just go up there throwing it and hope that the, you know the, the stuff breaks and uh, it's nasty that night. Uh, he's smart. He, he plays it from a, a mental standpoint as well, and uh, usually seems to have the edge on the hitters. Well, one thing, fellas, the uh, the Mets got really hurt badly because uh, their starting pitcher went out in the second inning with bustle spasms, and then, of course, last night as well. And uh, so there are two of their starting pitchers, and I haven't heard anything uh, definitive on what happened with the muscle strains, uh, muscle spasms, but uh, they can't afford to lose two starting pitchers. Nobody can. But I'll tell you, they needed this win tonight after losing two straight dramatically. They need this win, Roger. Well, they do, and... Uh, you know, I wanted to talk to both of you and, and Frank, too. Uh, I don't know if you heard uh, the uh, story this afternoon on MLB Network about what Pedro Martinez said about Fernando Tatis and uh, that it was the Padres' fault that he got uh, – he was using these uh, beds, I guess. Are you and, talking about Tatis? Uh, uh, yeah, Tatis. Yeah, Tatis. I said Tatis, Tatis. Yeah, uh, he uh, he. Pedro is under a lot of criticism. I heard it on Mad Dog Radio and some others because uh, they feel he's way off base uh, blaming the team for this and uh, basically saying they should be with him 24 hours a day. Wait a minute. The guy's an adult. He's a major league baseball player. It's about time. We've talked about it in the NBA many times these guys have to take ownership for themselves uh what do you guys think 
Well, I, I, I think Fernando Tatis did take ownership of the situation. He said that he was uh, he didn't realize that uh, he had taken something. Uh, I, I forget exactly. Uh, somebody's going to have to refresh my memory on what it was that he was taking uh, and why, but it seemed like, I mean, it was some kind of a maybe a, I don't know if it was an energy drink or, or something else or some other kind of medication or something else. But um, at the end of the day, he just, you know, suddenly realized that, hey, this has got, you know, some something illegal in it. And he took full responsibility, so I I can kind of see where, you know, why people would be upset with Pedro Martinez because, you know, I, look, I agree with Pedro Martinez, you know, in, in essence, because I think a lot of times players don't take responsibility. But I think in this case, Fernando Tatis did. And I think the bigger issue is you've got a player now who, you know, is a little bit, you know, uh, went a little rogue during the off season, got into this motorcycle accident, broke his right. wrist. And you know, the, now the next thing you know, he's rehabbing. Teams in a in a, in a pennant race, uh, trying to make get a wild card. They're obviously out of the division race, but they're trying to stay in the wild card race. They're really looking for a boost here to get this guy back. And you know, here he is. You know, for whatever reason, whether it was just negligence, uh, just you know, didn't check things, didn't check with the doctor, whatever. He's taking this. Um, you know, he's taking an, an illegal steroid, and and it's just like it's, that's unacceptable. And, and, you know, I, I, that's what uh, – basically, that's what uh, Padres management said. They said, you know, they, I think they were monitoring the situation as best they could. I think this is something that maybe Tatis was doing on his own um, without uh, authorization from the team or whatever um, because they came out pretty hard against him and said, hey, it, it's time for this guy to, to grow up a little bit. Uh, this team's counting on him. Uh, he's, he's one of the faces of the, of the organization, not just the organization, but of baseball. And, uh, you know, here you here they are. You're going to miss them for an entire season, a season in which you've got a shot at the playoffs, uh, and, are, and have just spent a lot of money trying to make sure, you know, to cap that team off. And now you're going to go into next season, you're going to miss them for the first 33 games there too. So um, I think they're quite frustrated with Fernando Tatis. So to me it seems like a little bit of piling on from uh, Pedro Martinez, but I, I do see where he's coming from in general. Roy, I agree with you, uh, and I will say this, Roger, that uh, he spent a lot of time uh, the day after uh, he was notified he was going to be suspended for the 80 games. Uh, he, as Roy just said, he stepped up and took full responsibility himself. He said, it was my fault. I did it. I didn't realize that, that what I was taking had this uh, chemical was which was banned in baseball, and I can't blame anybody. I take full responsibility myself. So I think. Well, yeah, yeah well, they're not. They're not. The media's not criticizing the player. I mean, he made a mistake. He stood up for it. He shouldn't have right. done it. They're after Pedro for well, coming on yeah, and blaming the team. That's the issue. Yeah, you got to. You, yeah, you just make it headlines. That's all. I, I don't know. But let's get let's get to the Rays because I watched the Rays the last couple of nights against the Yankees and they have really struggled during the course of the year. They've had a lot of injuries as well. But, uh, Roy, you're right there in Tampa. You see the, the Rays much more than we do. Uh, but, boy, they put together two super games against the Yankees. Yeah, they have. And they're putting together a pretty good one again tonight uh, so far early. But, uh, you know, no score well up one nothing at this point. So, uh, in the third inning. But, you know what? Look, the Rays have kind of they've, – they've played the Yankees very well the last two, three years. You know, again, the Yankees make all the headlines because they're the Yankees, because they're in New York because they go out and get the biggest-name players and pay the most money. Um, the Rays always fly under the radar because, well, who's ever heard of Randy Orozarena? Who's ever heard of, you know, Yandy Diaz? 
uh, G-Man Choi. They, they're, they're, a, they're not a star-studded team. They're a, they're a team of no names uh, to, to a lot of people. But they win. Rosa Roy you know, had a great World that. Series, but other than that, nobody. And he's only hitting about 175. Who's that? Rosaria. Well, he's hitting about 250 for the year, but, uh, you know, and he's, he's had some struggles of late. But uh, I think what's happened here uh, with the – the Yankees have just hit a slump. I mean, they ran away with the division uh, before the end of July. So here right. we are in August, and they've hit a little bit of a slump. They have not played well the last week or so, and including, again, in this series. Well, I shouldn't say they haven't played well against Tampa. Tampa hasn't blown them out, but – so they just haven't gotten the job done. But you know, they're, they're you know, look, Clay Holmes has hit a bit of a rough stretch. Uh, they were without uh, Araldis Chapman for a while. Um, you know, I, I'm not worried about the Yankees. I think they're going to be just fine. Uh, the Rays are still the ones chasing here. The, the Rays are the one, the team that's nine games out in the division. It's not going to catch them there, and that is hoping to, to stay in a wild card spot. So. Uh, these games mean a lot more right now to the Rays than they, they do to the Yankees. I'm not saying that the Yankees are letting up. Uh, they're not. But you, you, every team's going to hit a slump here and there. Uh, I think the Yankees have finally hit one. Um, you know, even, look, even Aaron Judge, you know, has had a couple of struggles here of late. And, right. You know, before before this week, uh, <laughs> MVP written all over him. So, you know, it, it's been a rough go, but they'll be fine. I'm not worried about the Yankees. Well, the one thing about the Yankees is that uh, the distressing part is not necessarily that they're in a slump, but holy smokes, to not score the few runs that they've scored in the last eight, well, actually the last 12 games, is almost uh, inconceivable with the uh, with the batting order they have. Now, they do have Mayus out now with the bad toe, uh, so they do have some injuries now the last couple of games. But to think the Yankees could go eight, nine, ten games, averaging two, two-and-a-half runs a game or less, is, is hard to believe. Roger? Well, yeah, the, the, it is, uh, and that they've had uh, so much trouble uh, uh, hitting, and uh, what Aaron Hicks has really uh, been in a slump. Oh, and, terrible. And, uh, yeah, and then uh, the other night when uh, – who was it? That, was it him that got hit? And then he uh, really – No, that was, that was Rizzo. Rizzo, yeah, Rizzo went nuts in the dugout. My gosh. But, I mean, I, I don't understand that call. Maybe you fellows uh, could uh, enlighten me about it because the guy got hit. I mean, you know, and then the umpire saying he didn't try to get out of the way. I mean, what do you do if you have a 195-mile <laughs> fastball coming at you? Well, not only that, but he has a great history of being hit over the years when he was with the Cubs as well as with the Yankees. But uh, Boone really went over that in great detail in the postgame show on yes after the game, and said, when you're making a, a move toward hitting the ball, and then the ball hits you on the outer thigh, there's no way that you're trying, you know, there's no way you can both make your first move toward the ball and also make a move away from the ball being hit. So he said it was a completely unjustified call, and it was. Yeah, it was a terrible call. It really was. And, uh, you got. I, I got to admit. I got to think that the uh, the umpire admitted that he screwed it up uh, after the game. I'm not sure if that happened or not, but he certainly. I didn't should hear have. that. I mean, yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know that that happened. I'm saying he should have if he didn't because he missed the call. There's no doubt. Um, you know, and and Aaron Boone was absolutely right about that. And look, Anthony Rizzo is a guy who, yeah, as you said, Roger, this is a guy who's been you know he's been plunked you know 14, 15 times a year uh, on average. He crowds the plate. He, uh, he he doesn't uh, you know, he's not afraid to get hit. 
Um, but, you know, at the same time, uh, he's not going to stand in there. I mean, he would. He's that kind of player. He'll stand in there and take a and, – and, you know, get hit as opposed to striking out or hitting into a double play. So he'll take that hit. But in this case, he was striding towards the ball. So a real miss uh, on the part of the umpires. So um, that's why, you know, everybody was all worked up over it, and rightfully, rightfully so. And, again, it happened in a, in a very critical game uh, and at a critical time. So, uh, you know, when you're slumping, uh, those things uh, tend to, tend to you know, get you to the boiling point pretty quickly. Well, let's switch back to football for just a second. Billy Wendell, of course, was very, very positive about the Eagles and how well he thought they were going to go, 11 wins and uh, uh, be in a, a real position to take the, the East. Uh, after looking at Dallas the other night, you fellas probably saw the game as well. Uh, that had to be very, very disappointing for the coaching staff, ownership, and the fans of the Dallas Cowboys to see that game last uh, last weekend. Roger? Well, the, the, the penalties uh, are just uh, out of control. And uh, uh, Charlie Weiss was funny, uh, I guess it was uh, Monday, when uh, he said, uh, uh, hello, Sean, uh, I'd like to uh, get together with you. Uh, are you available? Uh, give me a call, Jerry Jones. <laughs> so. <laughs> I mean, you had to hear it. And, and Charlie Weiss is hilarious. I'll tell you, Roy, I don't know whether you've ever interviewed him, but uh, he's a different guy when since he got into radio. I mean, he, he's <laughs> funny. He, he really is. And, uh, I mean, to come up with, uh, you know, that uh, like that, I mean, so quick. But what do you – I mean, you know, what do you think? I mean, is uh, – I, I mean, do you think the coach will make it? Through the year, if they keep on having penalties, what they have seventeen penalties, I think, right? Right. Well, I'm. I can't imagine anyone is saying anything about an exhibition game. I mean, I, I now is not the time to be concerned about. Yeah, the penalties are ugly, but it's second and third teamers out there. Nobody's playing that matters. Um, you know, let's see how they look against Tampa and take it from there. Uh, I agree with you. I think the Eagles are a team that could win this division. Uh, the Cowboys, obviously. Actually, it, it, it's an interesting division. You know, it, it, I, I, I don't like the, the, York, the Washington organization, but I think their football team is getting better. Uh, they got a mm-hmm. good coach. Um, I think the Eagles are probably the best team on paper. That might right, be a right. bit of a stretch, but, um, you know, because Dallas obviously has got everything going for them. But, um you know, as you said, Dallas. No offensive line, them. Roy. No offensive line. Right. Yeah, yeah. They, they they tend to find ways to lose uh, rather than win. So, you know, I, I think it's a bit of a wide-open division. I, You know, a year ago, it was an awful division. Uh, two years ago, an awful division. But right now, um, look, even the Giants are getting a little bit better. So I, I think it's a, it's a division to watch. I think it's a little bit up for grabs. Um, in fact, I think it's a lot of bit up, up for grabs. I, I think Washington could win this division. Obviously, the Eagles could win it. Uh, it's going to be interesting to watch. I think it's going to be a good division to, to follow throughout the year. I think one of the big problems, too, is Elliott seems to have uh, dropped back a foot and a half or so. And I think that's got to be a concern because they got a lot of money invested in him as a running back. And, uh, you know, people are saying, well, it's, it's not quite what we've seen the last few years, and I don't think we're going to see a, 
a rejuvenation of his running ability. What do you guys think about that? Well, if the line gets better, uh, you will. Uh, he's got to be healthy. Um, that's part of it. And he's got to be focused. You know, I, the, the quarterback there, I think, has had a lot to do with, you know, keeping him on the right track, too. And I, I think, to be honest with you, it may start there. Um, but I think he's got to get off to a good start. He's got to develop some confidence. He doesn't seem to be, you know, last year or last few times he's actually been made able to run, he, he doesn't seem to be running with the confidence that he did, you know, two, three, four years ago. So, um, look, he's still a, he's still a threat. Um, but it's also an area that I'm not so sure that the, the Cowboys have, have addressed, you know, properly. I, I think, you know, they obviously lean on Zeke Elliott and think, okay, that's our, that's our running game. But, you know, it might be time to start looking at some other bodies. They're, they're not easy. They're not hard to find, so we'll see what happens. But it's a good point. Uh, he's, he's a big Brian's part of it. Brian's having a difficult time getting uh, Dick Vermeil in the line, so we'll hold it right here for a while. And, and uh, uh, Roger, your comment. First of all, the Atlanta Falcons, you're right there in Atlanta now. Uh, you've seen, uh, you know, what camp was like there. You've seen what the first exhibition has been like. Uh, nobody has very high hopes right now for Atlanta. What do you think? Well, I, I, like Roy said, uh, I don't think that they're uh, they're a uh, at the level of the Bucks. Uh, I think they are improved, just like you said, Roy, with the Giants and uh, Washington uh, improved. And uh, but you know, only time will tell. I do think that uh, they're going to do uh, a little bit uh, more with the uh, uh, running game. I mean, everything I'm reading. Uh, seems to indicate that. And I think that, you know, when you have suspect at quarterback, let's face it, uh, you know, it's like a two-year uh, uh, rental uh, just to, to get through the uh, the next two years because I'm sure they're going to uh, really uh, go for a quarterback in this draft. And and yet, look at, at this past draft, the, the 2022 draft. They said that there was really no – uh, really uh, high-level quarterbacks. Hey, did you see Pickens with the Steelers? Man, I'll tell you what, he impressed me. Yeah, there's quarterback talent out there if you scout it. Um, yeah, it, it, it this wasn't a great uh, quarterback draft, at least, according to uh, most of the scouts. Um, a lot of guys kind of flying under the radar, but there was talent out there. You, you just got to scout it. You know, who fits? Who fits your scheme is really what uh, more than anything what you what you look for in a situation like that is you know is there somebody out there that fits what you do um, that that can uh, be plugged in and and you know give you something that you're uh, that you're in need of and and run your offense um, a lot of times it's finding the right fit you know it's why some guys uh, you know end up getting taken you know fifth overall as opposed to seventeenth overall where somebody thought they should go because all of a sudden you you do the scouting, you say, hey, you know what, this guy does exactly what we want, you know, a quarterback to do. And I think that's what's happened in uh, Pittsburgh. But, well, you know, let's let's wait and see. Let's, uh, let's not call him Joe Burrow just yet. Oh, no, well, they think that Trubisky's going to be the uh, starter, okay? Yeah, well, but, we'll see uh, about I that, too. <laughs> yeah, well, I, you're right. Who knows? Yeah, but, you know, do you, you know that Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season, guys. He is one hell of a coach, guys, and uh, probably doesn't get enough credit for it. But, um, you know, again, I, I, this is something I've harped on, and I'll leave you guys with this. Uh, this is something I've harped on for years. I think that most NFL teams do themselves a horrible disservice when they give up on coaches after two, three years 
uh, when they, you know, most teams, when you bring in a new coach, 99% of the time it's because you just had, came off a bad season, a real bad right. a losing season, a two and what used to be a two and 14 season or a three and, uh, you know, three and three win season, a four, four or five win season. Uh, you know, and, and you're over it. And, uh, you know, but a lot of times that's because, you know, you just, you don't have the personnel and you don't have the time, you don't have the time to, you know, to develop this team the way this coach wants you to develop it. Roy, and, and I know you, you got to run, down, but let me just, let me just throw one other word at you because you're exactly right. When the Jets traded, you know, made a coaching change, yes, uh, uh, Buddy Ryan's son had done a pretty good job about it in the playoffs, but it went all downhill. Now, in, in Tampa, he's inheriting a team that uh, went into the Super Bowl two years ago and deep into the playoffs last year. A completely different scenario. But the one you're talking about is nine times out of ten, if you're a new coach, you're taking a team that's likely barely surviving. Exactly. Yeah, barely surviving. And they want you to perform miracles. And when you don't perform that miracle in the first year or two, they let you go. Right. And most of the time, and then these guys resurface somewhere because somebody says, you know, at the end of the day, he's really not a bad head coach. We just didn't have any person. He just didn't have any personnel. You know, it's happening with Todd Bowles in uh, in Tampa now. You know, he'll probably succeed to some degree because he's got a team. You know, that, that, that that's capable of winning. Most that's coaches exactly what I'm saying. He's got a team now that's on the on the winning cusp. So it's really his responsibility now to carry that forth. Indeed. So, well, guys, hey, thanks as always. Uh, it's been a, a pleasure. <laughs> Um, Roy, we'll, have we'll do it again week. next week. Always, my man. Good to be with you. Take care. We'll have you with us next Thanks week again. Us. And uh, Roger will hold on until we hear something from Frank uh, uh, mentioned before that uh, he was having a difficult time getting Dick Camille, yeah. who just went into I the. Just, I just, Don, I just tried to, uh, Frank asked me to try to call and went to voicemail. So I think that, um, you know, just um, maybe uh, send him a text, Frank. Uh, you know, that uh, you're calling and uh, see what happens because you said he responded to the text. So, um, you know, and maybe he's just waiting for, uh, well, it's after 8 o'clock now. So, uh, but anyway, um, the, the uh, uh, one, the, the, it's raining in Atlanta. Uh, you probably saw that, Don. And, uh, uh, yeah, you know, it rained delay last night. Yeah, if if they uh, if it, they do go to a rain delay, that may have a uh, uh, an an effect on the Mets pitching. You know, they may uh, take Scherzer out. I don't know. But, well, we'll uh, just have to wait and see on that one. Oh yeah, still yeah, four, still playing, four nothing though. Playing, yeah, and they're playing uh, through it. I did want to tell you that uh, the uh, Phillies uh, promoted the two pitchers. I think it's Abel and and uh, Painter. Uh, to Double A, and uh, Painter is the youngest player right now in Double A at 19 years old. And uh, these are these are the two pitchers uh, that Dombrowski would not let go. Okay, uh, at the trade deadline, and uh, everything that I've read. All right, hold, hold on a second. Let, let's let's get Joe let's get Joe Gooders in here right now. The senator. Uh, the longest discussion in baseball is sports has been, is Tampa or St. Pete going to get a stadium? Frank, introduce Joe and get us a stadium. All right. Well, it's my pleasure to introduce a friend of mine. It's been a, a very good friend for a long, long time, uh, 35 years plus. Joe is an outstanding athlete at uh, 
Cardinal Mooney High School. Uh, he went on to uh, FSU, where he graduated with a double degree, and then went back and sat for the uh, CPA and passed it on the first time. Uh, Joe's been a, a very active within the Republican Party. Uh, he was uh, president of the of the uh, Repo- Young Republicans when he was a young man. He's still a young man. Uh, then he went on to be chairman of the uh, uh, Sarasota County uh, Republican Executive Committee for many years, and now is the uh, not only he was elect first elected to the state House of Representatives. Uh, he's now in running again for his second seat uh, uh, for uh, state Senate, uh, and he's also the uh, chairman of the uh, Republican Party of uh, Florida. Uh, Joe's uh, financial background and his uh, time on Ways and Means, uh, I asked him to come on tonight to just give us a thumbnail sketch. Joe, uh, what, what's your thoughts? What, which is the better of the two financially for um, the, the state? Would, be, would it be Tampa or would it be St. Pete? Who would share well, more of the cost with the state? Listen, I think everybody is going to have to come out of pocket a little bit to, to build a stadium that I think the team wants and needs to be competitive in the marketplace. I, you know, I go up to Tropicana Field, which is actually not a bad stadium once you get inside and the, the, the weather, but it needs to be updated. You know, the fan base, I think, will uh, respond to one of these new stadiums that they're building that's uh, more of a marketing, the, 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 you know, uh, type uh, – a stadium and social and uh but the race delivers such a great product uh i think the community needs to rally behind it and listen the state of florida we we had money in the budget to uh move it forward and at least move a spring training facility for the race over to pasco but that was a vetoed unfortunately uh by uh our governor great guy ron DeSantis. uh but uh he doesn't see uh uh uh, I think he has an issue with uh, funding stadiums overall. And so I don't know if, if the state's going to be prepared to uh, sign up for any type of uh, uh, funding program yet, but it doesn't mean that we can't uh, uh, talk to the governor and, and convince him about the economics of the value it brings to the overall community. I think these stadiums, uh, especially, like I said, the, the worst thing that can happen is we lose the raise. Uh, to some other marketplace, and so I'm I've been behind them uh, uh, all the way in terms of trying to get funding, uh, and we'll continue to try to push. And wherever they put it, I think it will be a winner. I think the uh, you know if you if you moved it out to the Brandon type location, uh, 75 I4, you have the the a ton a, a ton more of people that uh, could easily get to the game. I like it in St. Pete only because it's a a 40-minute drive for me, but it's uh, the Rays have been so competitive over the years, season after season. It's time that, that as a state and as a local community that we step up and help these guys be successful. Joe, so the, the fact that the Sun Stadium down in Miami, that uh, the state put a lot of money behind it. Frank, the, Frank, let me interrupt you just for one second. The Mets and yeah. Braves are now under a rain delay. The Mets are leading four nothing. They're in the bottom of the third inning. Scherzer just headed for the dugout, and so we're going to have another Ranger later that we did last night. Yeah. So pick it up from there, Joe. Go ahead, Frank. Big, big storm coming through Truist Park. Talking about stadiums. So uh, when you're finished, Frank, I have a couple of questions about that. 
Yeah. With, with the, the, the financial disaster they have in, in Miami, uh, is that what really is biting at the, uh, at the governor? <clears throat> I don't think it's necessarily the Miami Stadium. I think it's just the, the idea of public funding for, you know, billion-dollar type companies and, and, and public, you know, the, 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 the opposition, Americans for Prosperity and other groups that have really done a good job mm-hmm. of trying to consolidate the opposition to any type of public funding. You know, uh, Florida was mm-hmm. the leader in supporting uh, spring training expansion. Uh, some of these uh, uh, baseball fans all across the state were still paying tons of money every year. And some of the programs we had mm-hmm. early on, it's just over the last 10 years that Florida has basically turned into a, uh, uh, a state that, at least right now, the leadership hasn't supported it. It doesn't mean that we're not going to be able to turn that around. I think, uh, uh, I think the, uh, the raise owners need to uh, uh, step up and get more involved in the political process and, and, and really – um, showed the value that it will create. And I think uh, uh, there's an opportunity there, but there has to be a movement and a push and an organized effort, and we haven't seen that from the Rays uh, thus far. Hmm. Roger? Well, you know, well do, you, do, you think, do you think – go ahead. No, go ahead, Frank. But my, my last question would be a good friend of ours is Pat Williams. Uh, we all know him in Philadelphia. You know, he's done a, he did a tremendous job with, with the 76ers. He came down here and he, and he took a, a, a brand-new franchise and really built it into a, a national um, archive uh, program. Uh, he's now looking for building a stadium himself over in uh, Orlando to get an expansion team, or uh, he's talked about the possibility of um, getting Sternberg uh, either sell off part of the team or move the, move the team to Orlando. Uh, in something like that, that case, where there's not going to be hundreds of millions of dollars have to go into into the pot, would, the, would well, you think the legislature would go along with that? I, I think the case has to be made, and, and, and you have to – you're going to have to work a lot of members. There's a lot of conservative members that don't believe in any type of public dollars going to any – type of uh, stadium or, or sports franchise. and uh, But I think that there's a sympathetic ear, and I think people are willing to listen, but it's going to take that organized, concerted effort by everyone, uh, including the communities involved, to come together and say, listen, this is what we want. This is why it's important for the community. This is why it's a winner long term. These are the jobs it's going to generate. This is the economic impact it's going to have. And, and I think the case could be made. I've seen some of the numbers. I think, that, like I said, that campaign just has to, to start. And whether it be um, Williams or Sternberg or any of these other guys, they have to put together the deal and then go convince the legislature why, why Florida should uh, buy into it. Joe, let me jump ahead of Roger for one second for a quick question because we've been going over this year after year after year. And to the best of my knowledge, and I'd be 100% incorrect, it could be, they've never given you a full number that they're willing to put in. Are they willing to put in a third? Are they willing to put in a half? Are they willing to put in how much? Well, that's exactly right. You've got to, you've got to have an effort, organized effort. And I think some of the communities in St. Pete came together for a little bit, and I think there were some discussions between St. Pete and Tampa, but it never even extended to the legislature. I, but we're five years I've with never, the same thing. No number. No number. 
That's it. And, and 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 like I said, there's been no organized campaign or effort to move the legislature at all. And in order to get something like that passed, that's you need to have a willingness, an eagerness, and in a, a full frontal assault, let's say, on the legislature from in terms of a campaign to make something like that happen. And I think it's possible, uh, but you've got to have the willingness to do it. And right now, there's been I haven't seen anything personal. Roger. Yeah, well, I wanted to ask um, a, a couple of uh, questions about this and, and uh, also make a point. Um, you know, we in Philadelphia remember when the Phillies played at Connie Mack Stadium. It was like a, a great new day when Veterans Stadium was built uh, and the the, uh, the era of the multi-purpose stadiums. And then that went uh, bye-bye. And now they, you know, they got two stadiums in Philadelphia. But here in Atlanta, the Turner Field was only 20 years old, and and I think it was really smart the way uh, it was built. It was built by the Olympic Committee, and it was made as the Olympic Stadium, and then they could uh, knock out a section and make it into baseball. Well, out of the clear blue, the the uh, Truist Park, which now Truist Park. A whole new area developed in Cobb County in Smyrna. And when that was made public, it was a small article in the paper that uh, fortunately uh, one of the radio guys picked up on. And it is now a palace, the whole area. And what I'm wondering about, Joe, if you look at what Don was alluding to with Pat Williams, and I think he's got over 20,000 season tickets already uh, signed up for uh would that uh, uh, something like that work where you have hotels comcast build a uh, a big building in this area that the braves have now called the battery and uh i mean it is thriving restaurants hotels everything and it all was uh, just a small area that uh, then they de- developed but with with Turner Field, the city went with the Mercedes-Benz Stadium and the Falcons, and I'll never forget the headline on the HAC was the mayor rode the wrong horse. And the let me, I'd like your opinion about that. Do you see another area where something like this could be developed, or maybe this is what Pat has in mind with hotels, restaurants? A whole new area developing in Orlando because uh, they got well, a lot of ground. Yeah, great point, and that's exactly what you could do when you have some of these these public-private partnerships, and that could be done right with the county. They can give you the zoning, they can give you the the density, some of the other uh, the, the sign-offs that you need, and you could you could create the value and maybe put a special taxing district inside uh, that area to where it could help pay for the stadium, and it's a winner for everybody. And that way you don't take all these public dollars. There's a lot of creative ways to do it, but that's why you have these experts getting paid tons of money. And, 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 and But, listen, the Rays need to be the leader, or Williams in Orlando, if he decides to put this together and can get some type of deal, expansion team, or or the Rays to, to move over. But it's a uh, I hope the Rays don't move to Orlando or anywhere. I hope they stay right in the Tampa area. I think that the support's there. Uh, uh, and listen, I think that anything we could do to advance the, the, the new stadium and, and, and to make it more entertainment friendly 
Because that's what all these stadiums are going through. People want to be entertained. You're right. Well, I think, as Pat Williams pointed out, and I think rightly so, that uh, you're sitting in a situation where they've got five years remaining on the current lease. It's going to take whatever city, whether it's Charlotte, whether it's Orlando, or wherever they decide baseball decides to move this team, uh, it's going to take them five years to build the competent stadium to accommodate the team. So they've got to make a move, as Pat said, if they don't make a move within the next year or year and a half, nobody's going to have time to build a stadium when this lease runs out. I'm so well, sorry. That's, 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 that's what happened, uh, Joe, that's what happened in Atlanta. The, uh, the 20-year lease for the Braves was going to run out, and that's when they made the deal to go to uh, Cobb County and it, 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 just to get the ballpark built took a couple of years, but uh, it was, it was good planning. Uh, you know, the other thing you're fighting is, is listen, some of these areas are paying a billion dollars that have been public dollars. It's a, um, it, it, to get a free public stadium is better than having any type of contribution from the team. So there may be a strategy to just write out the lease and get the best deal you can in the open market and to move Tampa to the highest-paying city where they can get everything for free. I hope that's not the case. I hope that the, everybody's committed to keeping them in the Tampa Bay region. And, uh, and listen, I think that we could put something together, but the, the Rays need to take ownership of this uh, effort, and they need to take the lead and uh, start pushing as hard as they can. Well, Joe, Have how long a period any? of time do you think that they've got? I mean, you've been talking and talking and talking. How, how long are you going to give them? How long is the string? Well, listen, it, it, they're running out the clock, so it, it's up to them. Because the Maybe the baseball commission will run the yeah. clock out for them. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, you know, I, I'm thinking that uh, uh, Charlotte, uh, if it doesn't work, Charlotte could be the next stop, okay, because there's so much growth up there and, and uh, industry. And, hey, listen, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Florida and the governor, and all of you, okay? Uh, and uh, oh, I can't stand New York. And uh, all the shenanigans about the immigration, you know, and everything else. But I think you guys, you, you, you folks, I should say, in Florida, and I have a lot of friends, that, you know, Frank and Don, and, but I have other friends that live down there, and they just absolutely swear by it. And, uh, well, listen, but I, 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 it's a shame. I appreciate that. We're the land of freedom. It starts with leadership. Our great governor, Ron DeSantis, has been leading the way. He kept the state open, and it's made all the difference. We have 1,000 people a day moving here. We're the, literally the land of freedom. It's a, uh, you can do whatever you want. You've been able to do it since the beginning of the pandemic, and, uh, and it's only getting better. We have no state income tax. Uh, uh, the people love living here, and we're going to continue to grow by leaps and bounds. And so I encourage all your listeners to come on down uh, while, you're still, while you still can. And I appreciate Frank. you guys taking the time to let me be on the, the radio today. Our pleasure. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Joe, we appreciate your time. I know you've got to go. You've got a meeting to get into. But uh, we appreciate your time. And uh, everybody lives in the, in the Sarasota, Manatee County area, remember August 23rd, uh, there's a name on that ballot. His name is Joe Gruers. He's the one and only person that's uh, – would give us the time to, to listen to us uh, on the show here. So uh, we've, so we much, are, Frank. well, I've always been, been your, a big supporter. 
Thanks so much, buddy. Thanks, Thanks Joe. Nice to be with you. I'll you, tomorrow, Joe. you. You know, you know what I think about the fellows with Florida. They, uh, I can remember uh, years back in the '60s, I guess, uh, into the '70s. There used to be a uh, a uh, office in Rockefeller Center, uh, right there at the uh, at the NBC uh, building. Uh, well, it was the RCA building then. The um, where they had Florida hospitality. And you'd go in there and get a fresh orange juice and, and other things from Florida, and it was to get people to come to Florida. And just I think about how long ago this was. And, uh, and then when he says there's a 1,000 people moving into Florida every day, and yep. they, don't have to put a, they don't have to put up an orange juice uh, 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 store again or, you know, promotion uh, location. That's like the old, come on down, Frank, come on down. Yeah, come on down, right. That's right. Eastern Airlines. <laughs> well, I, just yeah, think you... that, uh, I just think the only way this thing is going to be moved forward, and I may be 100% incorrect, I think the commissioner is going to have to step in and say, look, he's already put, the, he's already put him on warning two years ago that the attendance and the movement of the management of the Rays has not been good enough uh, to keep this franchise where it is. So I think he's going to have to step forward either at the end of this season or the beginning of next season and put down an ultimatum that you either make a deal in the St. Pete, Tampa area, or we open this up to move it to another location. That, I think that's the only thing that's going to do it because I don't think Steinberger is going to put up any money. Mm-hmm. Steinberger. Well. Yeah, it's he, he certainly, right? Well, you know what? He he blew off everybody uh, the first time around. Uh, he was supposed to come up with fifty percent of the nine hundred ninety-five million dollars that it is. He came up with less than twenty percent. None of it was his own money. That's what mm. people were very upset about. He has yet to put. The, he's got the investment there. He has the lowest payroll. In the, in the league, and he still, right. still hasn't put his own money in. You take a look at, at Mr. Vinnick on the other side of town, who's very successful and is building projects all over the place now uh, because he's one of the best um, owners of any, any franchise, whether it was um, uh, the hockey team, whether it was uh, 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 arena football, uh, he was he was top notch. I mean, you never had to worry. Do you think about he quit. could buy the the Rays, Frank? He he could, but he won't. He won't. A, uh, there hasn't been any uh, indication, Roger. I have not seen anything that said he's interested in baseball. Although, you yeah. know, he was uh, involved in Boston and uh, very much involved in the whole operation up there, sports wise. Uh, so you would think yeah. he would be uh, inclined to be involved in baseball in Tampa as well, but I, Frank, I agree with you. I have not seen anything where he said that he was involved in getting it with the baseball. No. No, he, uh, his, his, uh, there's a personal, uh, I don't want to say feud, there's a personal disagreement between the two owners in, in, uh, in that. And that's why he hasn't come forward. Oh, the two owners in, in the Rays. Yeah, the the Rays and and the and Mr. Vinnick, yeah, Sternberg. And, oh, okay, and okay, okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, the you know the other thing, talking just to get onto a little uh, different subject for a minute, uh, the NBA. I mean, what a disaster it is with the players, the the inmates running the asylum. And uh, now mm-hmm. there's you know I've never been a fan of the uh, of the commissioner of the NBA. I think he's a joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't do anything. And uh, I mean, may expand to China, a lot of relations with China. But, uh, you know, when the players are dictating, they sign a huge contract. Oh, I don't want to play here anymore. And just like Ben Simmons did, doesn't play. And now the Sixers did settle uh, to give him. They don't know how much they won't uh, announce how much they gave him of the 20 million that they held back because he didn't play. And you're going to have these guys. Oh, I'm not going to play, but they're going to still st- uh, still get get paid. Don't forget and Roger they, Durant. Durant. He he went over to the owner. He met him. Where do you meet him? Overseas. He met oh, him. Oh yeah. And and he he said either fire the general manager and the coach, or I have no interest in coming back. The well, owner that, said, Well, we're not interested. Point, we're not interested in firing the coach or the general manager. Wait, then I'm not going to play there anymore. That's it. But he still gets the that's money. That's my point. He That's still gets why the, the money. commissioner, the, the commissioner has got to put a stop to this, and 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 uh, come right out and and like with Simmons, you don't play, you don't get paid. Forget about it. And the commissioner has that power, and and that's what. But he he doesn't do anything. That guy, nothing. I mean, can you see uh, uh, Kennedy? Oh, he did do uh, one thing. He, he was... canceled all the games on election day to give the people a chance to go out and vote. <laughs> he did that. He did. Did you read that in the paper today? No. He, yeah, yeah. He, closed, he closed the NBA down for election day so that everybody would have a chance to go out and vote. They can they can vote uh, uh, pre-election today. You know, that's a joke. I mean, there's a perfect example of a. Uh, Oh, I don't know. I, I, I just to see he doesn't do anything, and uh, but now I see the uh, media is really coming down. Uh, at least uh, locally in Philadelphia, they are so about this. And you know they've had to put up with Simmons. I'll tell you a funny story. A couple of weeks ago, I was over at the uh, Academy Sports because I wanted to get one of those uh, water bottles that has the fan on it for work. And uh, there was a um, a high school girl there with her father in line right behind me in the checkout, and she had a T-shirt on uh, with Simmons number twenty-five. So I went over to her, and I uh, I said, uh, you know, I, if you ever go to Philadelphia, I would suggest you don't wear that shirt. <laughs> and I I have no idea. I don't even know if she knows how she got it. She wasn't a Ben Simmons fan, but she had a shirt. Well, the father picked up on it, and then we talked out in the parking lot, and the wife was there, and we had a great talk. And he was talking about he had just been out in uh, Colorado, and he watched the Rockies and the Dodgers. And he said it just made him sick to see Freddie Freeman playing in a Dodger uniform up close, you know, when he's a big fan of the Braves. But it was funny how I just started it because – Telling her you'll be ostracized if you wore that in the, that shirt in the Philadelphia. Well, it's it's uh, it's professional sports are just getting well. They've been out of they've been out of sight for years, but they're now out of this century. I mean, it's a uh, 
It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable what's going on now. Well, it's no fun. You know, I mean, I think hockey is great. Uh, you know, the NFL uh, has its ups and downs. Uh, I still love, I love baseball and uh, I love hockey and I, uh, you know, I like football. I love football, but I like it. I don't like love it like I used to. Uh, but the NBA, I used to be the biggest fan, go to those doubleheaders growing up and go to Sixers games all the time. I I could care less about the NBA. Yep. It's, uh, it's showing the television ratings. They dropped and dropped, and uh, they're raising the prices now to try to compensate for that. And when the contract runs out, television contract, I just can't believe that these companies are going to continue uh, and I say that with with tongue in cheek because if ESPN decides to stop Prime or somebody of these other nonsensical channels are going to pick up the difference anyway, they're going to try to buy in. So I don't see any end in it. I think it's going to go on. I mean, we used to watch the games. Uh, Phil Mustick had a great call, not Phil Mustick, in the, in the post a couple of weeks ago about listening to the games growing up on the radio. All he did was turn the radio on, listen to the games, Wonderful, everything was great. Go back to the radio because television now has gotten to the point where they're they're bleeding you to death. I mean, you, you know, you wind up paying two hundred fifty dollars a month to all these channels that you don't even watch, and then you can't get yeah. the ball games now because they're going to Prime or Apple or some other damn thing. Well, they were saying on the morning show the other day about the uh, Friday night's uh, uh, Phillies game. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, where the picture, the Apple picture is great. The broadcasters are a joke. They're, you know, they're not, uh, forget about them. Get them out of there. And uh, and I know Hunter Pence is one of them. But I mean, the way you see them, they're they're just like you're going into an Apple store. You know, younger with the black T-shirts on. Uh, you know, I don't want to see that. I mean, I'm looking at Chip Kelly and uh, Jeff Francoeur right now, uh, you know, doing the Braves games. They're taking well, the Braves all I can games. tell you is that I drew the line. I drew the line when the Yankees and the Mets and the Phillies went to these off channels like Apple, like Prime. I, I said, that's it. I'm all finished. If I don't see another game, I'm never going to buy it. I'm not going to buy it. Oh, I'm never going to buy it. If I'm the game's not them. on and I don't and I can get it what I, on the set channels I have, I'm not going to watch it. I don't care where they go, how important the game is. Give me the seventh game of the World Series, and I guarantee I won't turn it on. Well, you know, did you see uh, where the Sixers uh, are planning on building their new arena? Okay, right. down down on Market Street. Okay, in in the um, the uh, mall that they built there. Right. And and now uh, the uh, president, the head of the Flyers, who's with Comcast. Uh, he's been out of shape uh, with uh, Harris, the owner of the uh, Sixers, uh, for going downtown. And uh, but you know what did they do? They, and and if it doesn't work it, in uh, in Center City, you know where their next step will be: the waterfront in uh, Camden, where they have their practice facility. Well, I'll tell you, you know, they spent all that money for a stadium. Remember how much they lost when they first built the Spectrum. I mean, they had, oh, yeah. Ed, Snyder, Ed Snyder had to bail them out. They built the Spectrum, and they they, they they couldn't make enough money in the Spectrum with other events other than the 76ers at that time and the Flyers. They couldn't make enough to make the building go, and Ed Snyder had to come in and buy the, buy the thing from Wallman and then reestablish it and finally made it into a giant success. 
Well, that's the key. And and the thing is, are you, uh, I can understand where you would get a lot of people from South Jersey that uh, would go to Camden and they won't have to pay the uh, bridge toll, you know, to get over. And uh, it was funny the other day, uh, Al Morgani and Keith Jones had a race. And it was from uh, the um, uh, studio at 24th and Market down to, uh, no, this is when they were at, uh, on Fifth Street. They had a race, and one of them went over the Ben Franklin Bridge, and it was, it was to the uh, spectrum of the Wells Fargo Center. The other one went down, uh, like Delaware Avenue, that way. And whoever went over the bridge and went to Jersey side won the race. And they had to go over mm-hmm. two bridges, you know, pay a toll, over the Ben Franklin, come back on a Walt Whitman. But you go down, I think, I forget what the, uh, what is that, it's 476 or something like that, uh, that's over there in Camden. And, but you never had a stoplight, you know, where you get on Delaware Avenue and you're going to have a stop, have some stoplights. Right. But I, I'll tell you, what we, what we do in life is we get older, okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For having fun in life. Well, I just think that the, uh, you know, you say what you want to, but, you know, the Mets are now talking about going so far over. Uh, Colin's going to have to to pay much more money next year because of the players that are free agents at the end of this year. And, what, $230 million, I think, now is the cap. And how far over he is now, I don't know, but somewhere I think around $15 million or something like that. Uh, the Yankees are going to have to go over the cap because they're going to be – First of all, they're going to probably have to pay $500 million just for Judge himself and uh, yeah. if they decide to keep him. And uh, the Dodgers are so far. And now you've got – look at all the teams you have there. They were talking about that. In fact, uh, uh, Larry Bowen talked about it with us the other night on the, on the show when he said that, uh, you know, the lesser teams are so weak. They're all, like, like Washington, he called that a double-A team. Yeah. You know, yeah, you're paying this kind of money to see a double-A, triple-A team, and, and they right. lose if they play 19 games a year and they lose 16 of them. I mean, what kind of what kind of what are you watching? Well, I read that article, Don, uh, about the Mets because I bought the Post every day uh, when I was up for the last week. I mean, even though I get it on uh, my phone, it's just nice to uh, uh, sit there and, and read it or lay in bed and read the Post. From, and I did it on the plane yeah, or at the airport yesterday. But I saw that. Isn't it possible the Mets could be over $300 million? I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's untold. I mean, he has so much money, it doesn't make any difference. So, But Mike Zimzak's ready to go now, so we'll jump back over to him. And uh, since we're talking about Washington, they consider that to be a double-A or triple-A team. Uh, the, only, the only interesting part is that Baltimore finally – and for all these years, we'll talk to Doug Hamilton about that a little bit later on. But Washington's going in the wrong direction. That's to say the least. Mike, come to us. I've been calling them a double-A team at this point is pretty uh, complimentary. I said at the, beginning of the, <laughs> at the beginning of the season that, you know, a lot of, had to go right for them to be competitive, and none of it has. Um, Stephen Strasburg out for the season again, so we won't see him before next season at the earliest, which means that 
three years into this mammoth contract that he signed, he has pitched a grand total of 31.1 innings. Uh, Patrick Corbin, who they gave another massive contract to, uh, right before um, before the 2018-19 uh, um, season, the run to the, to the World Series, uh, he's just been one of the worst pitchers in baseball, and they can't do anything with his price tag except continue to trot him out there, and he's getting shelled. Uh, they couldn't find anybody to take Nelson Cruz off their hands because he has shown that he's all up 40 years old, and the only hope is that, you know, they got – the players that they got back from the Juan Soto deal may be here in a couple of years, but right. people are paying more attention to the uh, rankings of the prospects than they are the actual standings because right now they have the worst record in baseball and they look every bit the worst team in baseball. Well, the problem is they've got other teams with them. They got Cincinnati, who's terrible. Pittsburgh, who's all not very good. Uh, anyway, Roger, let me go over to you. Well, the, the Cincinnati, uh, I mean, they beat the Phillies today. But the uh, then when I, I saw what their record has been uh, after they went, what was it, 9-23 and 23 or something like that to start the season, uh, they're not that far off of 500 in, in, since then uh, in the games played. So there, that shows me some encouragement. And then uh, today uh, to have a, uh, a shutout and win on a sh- uh, one nothing, and they win on the bottom of the uh, uh, of the ninth inning. Uh, that, that shows me something. And the pitch. But how about the uh, last you know, two games, Roger? You saw the last two well, games too. Yeah, you're right. I I agree. And uh, dreadful, look at dreadful. what they did to Washington. I mean, what the Phillies did to Washington. Well, with Cincinnati, I mean, it's a lot of. They can pitch. They can pitch. That team, that's a team that can pitch. The problem is that they just can't hit. Uh, we saw that in that game against the Cubs out in uh, Iowa. You know, they can pitch. It was a low-scoring game. They just couldn't score any runs. And at that point, they were in the midst of something like 20 games, 20, uh, 20 odd innings that they'd gone without scoring a run. Right. Um, you know, how many games, think, uh, Mike? Let me interrupt for a second. How many games do you win when you don't score any runs? <laughs> I think the answer to that one is zero. Just ask the Yankees. <laughs> Yankees are finding that out too. Yeah, and it's going to happen. Look, you know, teams are going to go through slumps. I'm not worried about the Yankees coming out of this. Um, but with with Cincinnati, you look at them and you say, okay, that's a team that can. You know, I think they can pitch. Um, Relying a lot on Joey Votto, who I mean, what he's got to be. He's gone. He's gone for the year, Mike. They announced it yeah, today. They were, and he well, he's only hit about two fifteen. I was. I was, was like two oh four. Was that low? Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. I thought it was like two fifteen. Okay, I'll take your two oh four. That sounds better. <laughs> I, I think that's what it was yesterday. Let's put it that way. Mike, go ahead. Did we lose Mike? Did we lose Mike? Yeah, he's still there. I, I don't hear him. Yeah, he yeah, yeah I don't hear him. We'll, we'll, we'll carry on until Mike gets back on the line. And uh, But really, Roger, and, and we see so many games, so maybe it's a little unfair. But 
I mean, the caliber of baseball today is just so poor. And and, oh. uh, and the interest in, in uh, trying to follow these games and the cost, I mean, if you're going to take your kids to a game today, you're going to spend $500. And that's if you don't buy any your hat or ice cream or food or anything. I mean, it's crazy. Well, I can tell you exactly uh, what I spent uh, for eight of us, okay? And uh, we were in the upper deck at Citizens Bank Park, and uh, it was uh, $304 for eight people. How about food? Uh, well, that was all extra. extra. You know, That's what they, I mean. Uh, yeah, that was, I'm just talking about uh, the tickets. And then uh, you pay 20 bucks uh, for parking or whatever it might be. It could be more. Uh, but then I see Mike's what back. it is for the Eagles games. Oh, is Mike back? I'm yeah. back, guys. I'm sorry. I just lost the signal oh, temporarily. Okay. No problem. No, no. Uh, no go, uh, go ahead, Mike. Uh, you know, we're just talking. About, when you mentioned about Cincinnati, I said Joey Votto's gone for the year. He's got it. Yeah, I was saying, but, he, you know, like how long has Joey Votto been there? I mean, he's been a great servant to, to the uh, to the Reds, but that guy, he's well past his prime. He's just oh, he is, the tail no end. doubt. Absolutely. Yep. Tail end of his career and having fun, and I give him credit. He is one of the funniest guys, but I just don't think that you, you know, Cincinnati knew what they were getting. And Washington has kind of admitted that this was going, that they knew where they are. It's a team that's up for sale. They're I was just going to say, Mike, what's the latest on the sale? Because that was the big story going into should they make the trade uh, that the new owners weren't going to be concerned about whether they gave away what they considered to be one of the best players in baseball before they sold the team. Where do they stand now? You know, there's, they've been very played it close to the best. They haven't mentioned Anybody, there's nobody who's come forward and said, or well, uh, I'm sorry, Ted Leonsis, who basically who owns Monumental Sports and basically owns everything in sports related in D.C. has come forward and said that he'd be interested in buying them. But there's been a lot of pushback on that because he already has um, control of uh, the both the Nat, the uh, I believe the Wizards and the. Uh, uh, the G League team, and also an interest in the Caps as well. So there's some kind of concern about, you know, one person owning three sports teams in, in the city. Other than that, there really hasn't been anybody who stepped forward to say, or they haven't mentioned anybody about where the sale is going. It's likely that this thing will not be completed if it is until after the off season. And then we'll get to do it. Uh, I always wonder about that whole entire, you know, oh, well, will the new owners want to sign the deal? You know, we'll get rid of them so that the new owners don't have to take that headache. Because you may get somebody in, like a Steve Ballmer, like um, somebody who's very, very into the sport and say, all right, I'll, I'll pay for it, and may not want to be saddled with a franchise that's in this situation, but I guess the idea is we'll shed as much payroll, we'll build up for the future, and then we'll let the new ownership group come in, and then they can make decisions as to where they want to go moving forward. Well, Mike, that's one of the things that's most surprising to me because, you know, you look at what happened in Denver with the football team and and, uh, 
the fact they're trying to get minority ownership in both football and baseball now. I, I just can't imagine in Washington, D.C., that, uh, you know, that they wouldn't have people sitting on the sidelines waiting to buy the Washington franchise. I mean, you're talking about, a prime, you're talking about one of the prime franchises in all of baseball. Not that their team is, but the location and what they're doing. I mean, if I was buying a team, Washington would certainly be up the top of my list. I think normally it would be, I guess, the big issue, and we've talked a lot about this amongst uh, the three of us, and of course, additionally with Doug, is the fact that that television contract is just so awful. It's like an albatross around anybody's neck when you look at how are you going to keep this franchise even remotely profitable. Uh, They just don't get that. They're missing out on such a massive revenue stream with this albatross of a TV contract that they've got. But the thing is, both of these owners today, they don't care about it. there's no way, you know, when you pay that kind of money, I mean, you pay three, two, three billion dollars for a team. I mean, uh, what do you care if it takes you two years or three years or four years to build up enough, uh, you know, uh, ticket sales or whatever it may take to, to break even? I mean, I, I still can't, I can't believe, even though the television contract is terrible, I can't believe that there's, there's not a lot of interest in Washington. You've got you've got some people who want a franchise and they kind of want it to be self-sustaining. You know, we're going to put in the money to buy the franchise, but then the revenue you know that I mean? we get from the franchise is what's going to fund the franchise. You know, what we get from the TV contracts and stuff like that is what we're going to use to play pay, pay player salaries and be competitive. You've got other owners, you know, there are the Mark Cubans of the world out there who are like, you know what, I will pay whatever it costs to be competitive because that's what I want to be. And it, but we don't know who's going to be there. I agree with you. I think it would be a good franchise to own. It's in a great location. You've got great natural rivalries with Baltimore, with Philadelphia, with New York, even to a certain extent Atlanta, you know, that's a little bit further away. You know, it's got a great fan base, and the stadium is in an absolutely wonderful location. I agree. I think you're 100% right. I'd really be interested in in taking it. Well, the other thing is, you know, the other thing is the Redskins. When you think about uh, us, you know, I mean, you're much younger than Don and Frank and me. But growing up, I mean, the Redskins in the uh, 70s, 80s, I mean, they were uh, the toast of the town. Uh, Packing FedEx Field, what, 70,000-plus. And look at the way that under Dan Snyder that that's deteriorated and all the issues. And and, and they don't know where to build a new stadium. I mean, it's it's just amazing how the – uh, those two clubs, uh, franchises, have deteriorated. And, I mean, Redskins in a longer period of time. But, uh, I mean, you, you know, they won a world – the uh, Nats won a World Series, what, three years ago, right? Yeah, I mean, three seasons ago. But with the Nats, you can easily say – you can point to a couple of decisions that they made that didn't go exactly the way that they thought. And, you know, they had a budget. They decided to play with within it. 
they've won a World Series doing that, but then it got to the point where it was like, this is not going to work. We're not going to be competitive. We need to reload. We made some bad decisions. That happens. You need to rebuild. I don't think that they're going to become a more abundant franchise just because they're going through it right now. I suspect that they have fan base and, and the location. And one of the reasons why... But, Mike, we've were, seen that in Houston. We, they've rebuilt several times. We've seen what happened in Miami. They've built... Even right now, they don't have very much, but they have rebuilt on two occasions and come up strong. I can't believe they can't rebuild Washington and make it uh, a, a, a factor within maybe three years. Uh, I don't know. I, I, think I just... Uh, yeah, and I think that they've got everything to do that. That's a front office thing. I mean, that's just a, that's just a natural ebb and flow for sporting. Yeah, franchise. but the front office has been terrible. I mean, it, the contracts they signed with these players. I mean, who in the world, after they win the World Series, they wind up signing a pitcher that can't pitch five games. I mean, they're not doing anything but go on the IR. I mean, it's crazy. I think that'll go down as well. But every franchise has one of those. But, Roger, to your point, when you look at the um, the Redskins, the football teams, the commanders, whatever you want to talk about that, that's just a generational thing. And the reason why they're struggling so mightily right now with building a stadium with fan support with anything is, you know, they have been so decrepit over generations. You know, yeah. And they just Same have owner, though. hemorrhaged fans. And... I think once the Nats get to be somewhat good, the fans will come back. It's more a matter of right now, why am I going to pay the freight to go down the Nats Park and watch really bad baseball when there are other options as opposed to the fans with the skins where it's just pure apathy. Like they really just do not care about this franchise and they have tuned out and they will remain tuned out until Daniel Snyder is gone. Well, let's, well, swing you know, over to, let's swing over to your number one sports soccer because you got a lot of things going on right now. Mike, give us a, a little bit of a thumbnail sketch of which way you want to go, whether it's MLS, whether it's uh, overseas. What's, what's happening mean, on the soccer front? MLS is coming into the stretch from the uh, Philadelphia Union have been continuing to be at or near the top of the Eastern Conference. Um, Roger down in your neck of the woods, Atlanta, again, it's just been that off season, and again, it goes back to just how fine these margins are in recruitment when it comes to MLS. Uh, the, yeah. players, the players they got in just didn't gel right. They couldn't get the right manager. They couldn't get the right chemistry. And as a result, they're outside of the playoffs looking in. Um, one of the biggest stories recently has been Wayne Rooney, the record goal scorer for England and Manchester United, and a former D.C. United player has come back and has taken over the team. Uh, he's hoping to get them out of the basement. Frankly, D.C. United needed to do something to be even remotely relevant. Uh, out west, LAFC, the Seattle Sounders, they continue to be the post with the the uh, pace of the West, uh, for my money, again, I've said it before and I'll say it again, this has been one of the better MLS seasons, if not the best for, in terms of play on the field that I can remember. Uh, it's just been a great uh, season all the way around. The leagues are starting to kick off over in Europe. Most of the major leagues are at least a game or two into the start of their season. So it's kind of hard when you've got a 38-game season, a handicap, what's going to happen after two games. But 
Some interesting results. Manchester United, owned by the Glaciers, rock bottom of the Premier League. The 20-time Premier League champions are at the bottom of the league right now with no wins, and they have conceded five more goals than they scored. The only goal that they have scored in the two games that they've played so far was an own goal that was accidentally scored by the other team. So they are off to an absolute wow. horror show of a start. And we are now... Mike, uh, and Don, Don I, I wanted you to comment on this uh, quickly because the, uh, there was the article in the uh, post. And uh, Mike, Eli Manning, and I, I think it was Sue Bird, okay? Uh, they both are investors in the uh, New York... New Jersey uh, women's professional soccer team. I don't know if you mm-hmm. saw that uh, article or not. Uh, do you think, will that be really successful? Listen, the NWSL, A, has gotten some really great ownership groups together. When you look at the uh, team that was out in LA and just how popular they are, uh, getting super Eli Manning to invest in um, I think it's Gotham FC is the name of the team. And the fact that their ratings throughout this season, uh, the, they started later than the men did, but throughout the season, their ratings have actually outpaced the, uh, the, the MLS. So wow. we've seen these leagues start and stop before, but this one seems like it's got – legs, it's got attention, and it'll be uh, important because it's doing well now leading into a World Cup cycle and Olympic cycle when we know that the sport will grow based on the performances of the U.S. women's team. Normally it kind of lags and hopes that it can get a bump afterwards, but it's already been doing well now. So I have, there's every reason to believe that you know this iteration can be relatively successful. The only issue I think that they have is, you know, they're going to get some competition now with the leagues over in Europe being backed by some of these mammoth clubs like Manchester City, like Paris Saint-Germain, like Man United, Arsenal, these huge club names. They're starting to sink a little bit more money and a little bit more attention, and it's growing that game. So for the first time, the NWSL is going to have some more legit competition for players and attention that it's had. Our competition can be good. It can um, push people to, to be better. We can also see where it's caused other things to collapse, so that remains to be seen. But I do think that it's good for them right now. But the last thing I want to mention and uh, make sure I get out is we're now under 100 days until the start of the World Cup, uh, November 20th in Qatar. Wow. Well, Mike, we've got to leave it right there. We'll pick it up again next week. Uh, same place, same time. And thank you very much, as always. The Yankees just a uh, home run. Tories had a home run. It's now uh, Rays four, Yankees two, bottom of the sixth inning. We'll stay with baseball as we go down the ball more with Doug. The for the first time since the Truman administration, it seems like. <laughs> wow. Mike, have right, a great week. I'll talk to you next okay. week. Have a good one. Take care. Our PGA professionals. Doug Hamilton is standing by down there in that Baltimore area where the uh, the Orioles have grabbed his heart, even over and above mm. the Ravens at the moment. And uh, first of all, Doug, welcome back. And uh, the Orioles keep keeping their heads above water. Yeah, um, looking good today for about six innings and then unraveled in the seventh. Um, but, you know, I mean, you take, what, two of three from, from Toronto, so. 
in Toronto. So, um, you know, it's uh, that's a win. Absolutely, absolutely. One other thing before we get back to the baseball, the uh, they brought in the heavyweights down, the Tigers down there in Wilmington, Delaware, yeah. flew in on his plane with, uh, I forget who, who was with him. Uh, but anyway, to make a long story short, looks like they're going to have a real battle between LIV and the PGA mm-hmm. and uh, what's going to happen and what players are mm-hmm. going to defect. We talked last week about Smith finally saying he was going to uh, step out. He yep. was going to go on LIV, but he, uh, he's injured right at the moment, so he can't play this week at Wilmington. Uh, so right. some of your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty big deal that, you know, they're getting, I think it was 22 guys, Tiger included, uh, together to have a discussion um, about the current state of affairs, I suppose, and, and what's coming down the pike with, you know, the LIV. And, um, you know, I'm sure that there were, you know, discussions in there about um, the international competitions as well as the majors. Um I think the the PGA Tour uh, commissioner's under fire a little bit. I think uh, potentially from those guys as well. So, no um, question. Ricky Fowler was the other one that was on the plane with Tiger. Yeah, correct. I mean, um, yeah. I mean, I don't think it'll be interesting to see uh, some some more people will probably throw their name in the hat to defect to you know the the fifty four and and we'll we'll see what happens there. I don't. I mean, we don't know what they talked about. I'm sure it'll be released in in some fashion in coming days. But, um, yeah, I mean, I've said it before on the show that at some point in time, I mean, you have lawsuits at this point. You have all these different things legally. Uh, somebody's going to have to make a determination of of what's going to happen next um, because – Well, the court's rule, the first know, ruling went in favor of the PGA. Uh, the second ruling decision yeah. uh, by LIV has been that uh, – the shark is now going up to 14 tournaments next week, next year instead of nine. So mm-hmm. he's making progress right. on the tournament locations and the number of players, and the PGA is making a stand with the early uh, the early court ruling that they do have the right to ban them from coming back to the PGA Tour. Now we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think it would be interesting to see um, of the 14 said tournaments that I guess he wants to do. Are they are they courses that are, are courses that they host PGA events currently, or you know, will will those courses also fall them, you know, fall under the umbrella of being blackballed by the PGA that would never host a tournament there, or you know, I don't know anything about. I don't know, know what the locations are. I do know that they did extend to fourteen. Now they're supposed to have solid commitments for fourteen next year. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess the players. To play on that tour would deem it to be a successful voyage to, um, you know, play less golf, make more money. Um, you know, so, I mean, I, I don't know what the long-term projection is in terms of where well, they're right. their money. Tiger's trying to, obviously, Tiger's trying to convince everybody because of uh, the PGA and what it means and the, uh, the history of playing on these, you know, these monumental tournament tournaments uh, you know like the masters yeah. in the open and all the rest of them and and uh, you if you lose your opportunity to play in those you're never going to get it back again so uh right. that, that's a, that to me would be uh, to me it would be much more interesting now it's easy for me to say because i don't have any kind of money but if somebody's offering you 200 right. you know 200 million dollars to play 
Uh, are you going to give up the Are you going to give up the masters in the open for money? And uh, that's what they're trying to right. convince them to do. And I don't know that you're going to be able to do that. Yeah. Roger, go ahead. Right. Well, that's that's a good question. Uh, and my my question is that we've seen this happen in the past where all of a sudden you get these uh, leagues, and in this case, I think the LIV is like a league. Uh, and if it doesn't make it, uh, and I'm sure it probably will, but say it didn't make it, uh, are they out of the PGA forever, where things could change tomorrow if the LIV uh, folds up? I'd love to know about that. Right. I don't think anybody knows about that. Do you, Doug? Uh, no. I mean, I think that was one of the initial uh, standpoints that they were trying to say that if you jump ship to the LIV, you were no longer allowed to play on the tour. Um, you know, so I guess connecting the dots, if the LIV tour fails, then what do they do? You know? Um, I don't know. Again, I, I think all this has to be people wearing suits in front of a, a judge that, you know, makes this determination. So, um, you know, it'll all eventually happen at some point. Somebody will, you know, get in the courtroom and and uh, make a decision about it. Well, you're, you're, coming, you down guys, the home, you're coming down to the home I, stretch of your club. Uh, we're down, what, the 17th yeah. of August. Uh, so you're getting yeah. ready to wrap things up down there as people start to head toward Florida in September and October. Uh, what's the golf front look like down in Baltimore? I mean, I tell you, this last couple of days, maybe a week or so, has been absolutely gorgeous. Um, you know, I had the chance to sneak out and play a few holes this evening, and I think you can definitely feel something different in the air. You know, when it's when it's summertime to me in, in Maryland, it has a summertime feel to it with um, a little bit of that humidity, even if it's not oppressive, but um, the last couple of days and even tonight, it, it 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 has that mysterious tinge of fall in the air with just a, a lower humidity and just different feel to to the night and to the to the air itself. Um, I mean, we have um, a couple outside events, but we have one over Labor Day weekend that's kind of our kind of closing big deal. Where shortly thereafter, we'll have a lot of the members that return to Florida and. Um, you've got um, Rosh Hashanah, uh, which is September 25th, I think, and then Yom Kippur is like the first week in October. So whether they come back for those holidays or whether they stay in Florida, or maybe they'll even stay till Yom Kippur before they go. So, But you're realistically talking about another two months of season here, month and a half. But then, you know, you've got football season, a lot of Raven loyalists that, that go to the games on Sundays uh, or just watch football in general. So it, it'll start lightening up. I mean, it's dark now by pretty much 8 o'clock-ish down in the area. So, I mean, we're, you know, in that cyclical pattern of kind of winding down the summer and, and turning our attention to to the fall, which I think is the absolute best time to play golf uh, in terms of the weather itself. But um, there's so much happening in the fall with you know, uh, baseball and the playoffs and start a football season, whether you're a college enthusiast or NFL fan. Um, you know, obviously people are looking forward to, you know, the closing of, of some of the golf, um, as well as, you know, the ramping up of 
whether you're an NBA fan or, or hockey fan, that's just around the corner as well. So there's a lot of really cool stuff going on in the fall. Well, Roger, we'll get you up there next, but I saw in the paper yesterday that the uh, the World Series may be finishing in the, between, sometime between the 2nd and the 5th of, uh, of October. November. Uh, November. 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 <laughs> can, you believe, can you believe that? The November uh, well, what the hell happened to uh-huh. Mr. October? Yeah, right. Mr. October. Right. Hey, Doug. Well, uh, two things. Are you going to uh, get a chance to go up to uh, Wilmington? It's not that far from uh, your uh, uh, hiatus. You know, your uh, uh, ranch, so to speak, your home. Yeah. And uh, that—that's number one. Number two is, uh, I want one of when you were talking about uh, the uh, the weather and the people. Um, you know, uh, going south. The uh, this, this is really t- today, like here, and I was up in Philadelphia for, for Pennsylvania for a week. Uh, it was like 80 degrees. What a difference uh, when you don't have the humidity, just like you were saying. Yeah. And and you ha- even though it was a cloudy day, it was nice. And uh, yeah. you know what a change. But the when exactly. Uh, does does your club really does it close down or you you do have some members that live there year round right yeah. well i mean i i don't only being there for my second season i'm not sure exactly what the percentage split is of those that go and those that stay um but i can tell you of those that do stay let's say it's 50% as a guess even at 50%, they're, they're going to be fair-weather fans that, you know, they're not going to play if, you know, it's chilly. They're not going to play. If it's windy, they're not going to play. If there's any precip, I mean, it's, you know, it's got to be a utopian setting for most of those individuals to, to have to tee it up. Uh, and, um, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll just it'll thin out immensely. I mean, we do have some local guys that are a very small grouping and core of people who, We'll play virtually all all through the winter. Now, a hard it'll be a hard close for any any Jewish holiday, as I mentioned. Uh, Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah, you know, Hanukkah, uh, I think is a little later and closer to Christmas. But we will 100% close during the month of February. Uh, no questions asked. I mean, you know, if you want to come to work, and many times I'll utilize that time to meet with sales reps for uh, the upcoming season, which would be fall at that point in time. Um, but it's, you know, pretty much after we'll call it October 1st, it, it becomes a ghost town. And, you know, honestly, that's generally speaking when we start to play a lot of our golf, even though I've played a decent amount this year, um, you know, by the time you get to a Saturday or Sunday at the club, it's say three or four o'clock. It's, it can be a ghost town. Um, you know, so, you know, I try to utilize that time to, either practice or play or do something. But the original question, uh, no, I won't make it up to Wilmington. Um, you know, it's it's too hard for me during what I would still deem to be a fairly busy time with stuff going on and, um, you know, not to mention the family aspects of, of what we're trying to do at home. And, um, you know, Frank passed me in and said I sounded kind of tired. And to be honest with you, I am. You know, uh, it's been a long season and, and it's been a very fast fever's pace, and you know, I'm looking forward to, to a, a more relaxed fall where I can, you know, spend some time with the family. Usually, 
mom and dad come over on Sundays during football season, and I really enjoy having them at, at the house to watch football and just, you know, shoot the breeze and, and uh, hang around and, and be with the family. And, you know, I'm talking about that. What are the Ravens doing now? Give us an update on the Ravens. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think yeah, they're Jackson's really trying to get a lot of shading, right? I think they're, I think they're getting closer. I mean, he, I think he's going on record as saying that he wants to try to have a deal done by week one of the season. So I, I, I right. tend to think that they're moving, moving a lot closer. Um, you know, I think that through training camp, I think the Ravens are trying to be a lot smarter with you know, all the injuries they faced last year, ensuring that they don't do that again by, by changing how they go about their practices and those sorts of things. You know, I also think that they have a lot of people that were coming off of that injured list that they're trying to, you know, basically wrap some bubble tape around with um, J.K. Dobbins probably being the most notable. Um, you know, as we make it through these first three preseason games, most of your core starters likely won't play at all. Um, you know, I think that's why they signed Mike Davis and, um, you know, some you know, the rookie they drafted, Tyler Beatty, I think his name is. Um, they had Corey, Corey Clement that they just got rid of. Um, but you're not going to see Mark Andrews. You're probably not going to see Lamar Jackson. You're probably not going to see – I mean, they have a lot of intense battles for some of their um, – like their left guard is a is a coveted spot that they're, they're going through the motions with. I mean, their receiving core is still in question. I still believe that they're probably going to have to go out on the open market and pick up a – a veteran wide receiver. Um, they're still fooling with some of the rookies, Kyle Hamilton, and how he's going to fit into the secondary and what exact position he's going to play or packages. Um, you know, have the they got Russian a solid concept. foundation at wide receiver? Have they got, you know, three good in a slot? Uh, I mean, they have um, they have some question marks. I'll leave it at that because, um, you know, Rashad, I think, is, is the best they have, and I – I think he's pretty good. I think that the strength of their offensive pass catchers is going to be in their tight ends. Um, obviously, Mark Andrews is an all-pro tight end. I think one of the guys they drafted, Isaiah Likely, uh, I believe he was from Coastal Carolina, is what you would call your move tight end, which I think they've lacked since they got rid of uh, Hayden Hurst. Um, so kind of a, a wide receiver and a tight end body situation with him. Um, you know, uh, James Prochet, uh, Devin Duvernay, um, I think are your slot kind of guys uh, that they're gonna they're gonna work around those, but I think they're missing they're missing at least one wide receiver. And I was that uh, Julio Jones wound up signing with Tampa Bay because I think they had their eye on somebody like that from a veteran leadership standpoint and uh, and somebody that could be you know uh, a pass catcher uh, that they they certainly need. So we'll we'll see what happens, but. Um, yeah, the strength of their game is obviously in running the football, and, and um, they address that with their offensive line um, and a little bit of depth in that backfield as well. So I'm looking forward to seeing them get back to Ravens football, which is black and blue, man. Roger, before I go to you, there's a put the tarps down now at Yankee Stadium. And uh, right now it's 4-1 to one in favor of the Rays. Uh, no, 4-2. I'm sorry, 4-2 to two in favor of the Rays. But the tarps going down, so we'll just have to wait and see what happens there. Go ahead, Roger. Yeah, and four to one, uh, the Mets over the uh, Phillies, and uh, the uh, what is it, Odorizzi? Um, 
you know, he's he's pitched well after that uh, opening inning with with the uh, successive uh, home or, or uh, consecutive home runs. Hey, so um, we got two two games where they keep bringing the tarp out. One now, one or just they took it off down this planet, and the other they put it on in New York. So four to one is the score there. You're right. Yeah, yeah, But what about I, I like to stay with Jackson, Doug, because I was reading a lot about him uh, while I was up north, and uh, and hearing a lot about him, and uh, it's very interesting. Uh, how he negotiates, I guess his family uh, negotiates, right? It's just not him. Uh, yeah. you know, there may be members of the family, attorneys and everything. But the, but my point, my question is, they, do you think that it's possible if they do not sign him? I mean, they can always, um, you know, uh, you know, they can tender him, Okay. But I'm I'm right. just wondering whether they would look to go in a different direction to draft a uh, young quarterback in the next draft. Um, I don't think they're at that point yet. I mean, I think that you know if you if you kind of look at the algorithm of of connecting the dots here, I think that you know he's he's on board for 23 million and, and under contract for this year. If they don't right. negotiate a long term deal with him. They have the option to franchise tag him next year, which would right. be the equivalency of about $45 million. Right. So I, I think once you get past the first franchise tag, now you're going to have to start thinking about, you know, that's your, your oh, you know, poop kind of moment where, you know, what am I going to do if, you know, he opts to just go one more year at the franchise tag and then go as a free agent. So I think after, but, but after Doug, do they have year. They're not necessarily young as. Big spenders. I mean, do they have that kind of money that they can invest in a quarterback, not only going to the 43 you're talking about, but beyond, yeah. which would be higher? I mean, do they have the capability, the financial capability to do that? Yeah. I mean, look, they have a lot of really smart people, uh, capologists in their front office that can figure out how to appropriate that money in terms of signing bonuses. And, you know, you look at you look at uh, Deshaun Watson's field. I mean, he was only making a million dollars this year in salary, you know, so you can, you can fool with those numbers to give somebody a total amount yet chop it up into parts where it's, it's not as intrusive to your, to your payroll um, all at one time. However, in saying that you also have to be careful. I mean, you, you, you need to have some rookies that are playing well at the cheaper rate right. or, or aging veterans that you can, you can get at a cheaper rate. Exactly. I mean, they have a lot of money. They have a lot of money wrapped up in the back end of their secondary. You know, with with both Peters and Humphreys and um, some of those guys that they're going to have to take a look at and say, you know what, we're going to have to cut bait here because I can't afford to give you fifteen million. I'll do it for seven, but if you can find it somewhere else, go ahead and be my guest. So they're they're going to have to certainly take a look at the business aspect and the financial amounts that these guys are making and then come to a conclusion of whether they can afford that or not. I mean, as you know, 40 something million dollars is a pretty big chunk into 200 and whatever the payroll is. I mean, that's, that's, that's a tough nut to swallow there. It sure is. Well, Roger. Well, that's the, yeah, that's my point. See, I, I'm, I'm at the, the point that it wouldn't surprise me if they don't, uh, they don't hold on to them. After this right. year, well, and look, let it go. 
there's a lot of football. There's a lot of football to be played. I mean, will he stay healthy? Will he perform? Will he, you know, go go back to his MVP status? Um, you know, but there's a lot of question marks there, and I think that both sides are playing the game right now to see what, what that actual number is going to be. Well, I don't think any team's going to give a quarterback a guaranteed contract like Deshaun Watson got. got. Uh, the well, Browns we are not. hated. They they get they're going to get booed wherever they go, and yeah. they even get booed at home. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I hated the Browns before they did that, but now that, that's just stupid because it sets precedent for for what these guys are getting. Um, and that's across the board with guaranteed money. You look at kickers, you look at wide receivers, you look at every. You know, I mean, Devontae Adams, the money that he's making is ridiculous. So I don't think you can contain that to just one position. I agree. Well, if, you, no. if, you, if you relegate that much money to one position, there's some place you got you got to come up short. Yeah. And uh, Absolutely. so it's just, you know, there's, I don't care who, what team it is. And, you know, the Cleveland Browns, I mean, you $230 million. What are you, how are you going to pay your offensive linemen? How are you going to pay your safeties? How are you going to pay your – your wide receivers. I mean, it's it's unbelievable to me. Well, it it shifts the onus to to draft picks for sure. Well, see, I think the Ravens are one of the smartest teams in in the entire National Football League. I mean, in personnel. I mean, as far as personnel goes. And that's why it would – I I can – I can see them, hey, we're going to, you know, get a new rookie quarterback. Look at what the Patriots did with Mac Brown. Okay? Yeah, Mac Jones. Mac Jones, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Mac Brown was just on TV. Pick it up next honored. week. Doug, thank you very much. Thank you to all our guests this evening. It was a great show. Roger, glad to have yeah. you back in Atlanta. Sorry you had to leave Philadelphia so early. Didn't get a chance to get together, but uh, we will soon. And, we will. Uh, Take it all over, Frank. Close this out. Take care. I want to thank everybody for being on with us again tonight. It was great. Uh, uh, Ladies and gentlemen, this program is brought to you each and every night of the week in grateful appreciation to the men in the United States Armed Forces, the men in the Police and Fire Services. When you're out there and you see somebody in uniform, please acknowledge them. Let them know that you know they're there. We're not all bad guys. There's an awful lot of us like to go out every morning and come home every night to our families. Uh, these programs are dedicated to those who lost their lives in the line of duty. Deputy Robert Anthony Carroll, Patrolman David Curtis, Patrolman Jeffrey Colcap, Patrolman Jeffrey Yaswitz, Thomas Sergeant Thomas Bainger, Detective Randy Bell, Detective Ricky Chillis, San Diego Officer Mike Emmer, Sergeant Thomas Wilson, Charlotte County Sheriff's Office, Patrolman Charlie Condit, Tarpon Springs Police Department, Deputy Chief Mike Godwin, Philadelphia Fire Department. Lieutenant Joyce Craig Lewis, Philadelphia Fire Department. Sergeant James O'Connor, Philadelphia Fire Philadelphia Police Department. Sergeant uh, Chris Lake, Hillsborough County Sheriff's Department. Patrolman and Officer Chris from Lake and PD. Lieutenant Joe Zerba, Newcastle County Police. Patrolman Josh Myers, Newcastle County Sheriff's Department. Captain Matt Letourneau, Philadelphia Fire Department. Captain Chris Leach, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Artis Hope, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Jerry Fikas, Wilmington Fire Department. <clears throat> Trooper Joe Bullock, Florida Highway Patrol. Trooper Chelsea Richards, Florida Highway Patrol. Chief Al Hogan, Longview Key Police Department. Chief Jimmy Ford, Wilmington Fire Department. 
my brothers and sisters, and I you may be 10-7 at this point in time. Sometime it will be 10-10 at the table of the Lord. Until that time, may the rose rise up to meet you. May the winds be always at your back. May the rains fall softly on your fields and the sun shine lightly on your face. Until we meet again, may the good Lord keep you and your family always in the palm of his hand. Good night. God bless you. Have a great week.